This episode of Manage Smarter is presented by Sales Fuel Coach, our adaptive sales coaching featuring five-minute quick coaching personalized to each sales rep. Learn more about Sales Fuel Coach at salesfuel.com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. Well, we are guest today is not only from Australia, but she has a compelling story that is so, um, I, I, I told her I couldn't even process it, but can you imagine going from being homeless to being to one of the top C-suite coaches in the world um, yeah, in a, a matter fan, of years? A fantastic female entrepreneur with a great story, and I, and I can't wait for her to tell it. Yep. Welcome to Manage Smarter, everyone. We are very lucky all to be here with Rhiannon Rees. I'm Audrey Strong. I'm the Vice President of Communications here at SalesFuel. And I'm C. Lee Smith, the president and CEO of Sales Fuel. Okay, so Rhiannon Rees, a human behavior expert. You and uh, Lee have that in common, Rhiannon. Um, international high-performance coach, self-development expert, helping CEOs, businesses, elite athletes, coaches, and celebrities redefine their level of success. As I said, she's from Australia, a best-selling author, thriving entrepreneur, and a global speaker. Not too busy, not much going on with her. Um, her <laughs> personal sufferings, which we'll talk about, led her to search for answers and into a 30-year study of human behavior, being completely compelled to help others. She has continued to invest in education in the fields of self-development, neuroscience, and business. The founder of Conscious Coaching Collective, that's C-Cubed, as I like to say, uh-huh. and she's demonstrated success in creating both multi-million dollar companies and individuals and champions. Rhiannon, thank you for coming to the show. Hey, thank you so much, Audrey and Lee. Absolutely ecstatic to be here from down under. Where in Australia are you? Uh, do you live? I'm inland from Byron Bay, so the most easterly point of Australia. Oh. I'm just, look at that map, and I'm just like waving at you now, just a little dot inside. <laughs> when we get off of this, I'm actually going to look that up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, so if you're ever out here, it's really beautiful. We want to talk a little bit about COVID-19 at some point in this and your analysis on how to help leaders cope with what's going on. But we do want to have you share a little bit of your story because it really is sort of the driving force through all of your collective knowledge you're sharing as well today. Thank you so much. Like, uh, it's very hard for me to believe that, you know, I'm at the top of my game now where I was 10 years ago. And I think it's very relevant given what's happening in the, you know, especially where you are with COVID-19, people wondering how they're going to get through, what's going to happen, how can they transform their lives. And that was the exact same boat that I was in when I found myself homeless, penniless, living in a tent. And what has actually happened is similarly, I had received a very big shock. Like I came home one day and I was actually picking up a cheesecake off the top of an amazing baker. And so I had actually asked her if I could borrow her truck and she said, sure. So I borrowed her truck. So I actually arrived unannounced. And as I put my key in the door to walk into the house, I saw a flash of pink down the hallway. And I turned the corner and I saw in my lounge room and there was my husband in my pink shoes with in my sexy black lacy lingerie, which was a wedding present. And he was actually doing an interview over the phone for a job. And I kind of like, you know, wow, it was, I wasn't sure what I was seeing. Am I in the right house? <laughs> and then finished the interview and he came over and he held my hands and he said, I've always wanted to be a girl. And what I didn't, I I held his hands and I said, you know what, you're going to be a beautiful girl because I moved away from the mother and the wife and I stepped into the counsellor and the homeopath. Mm 
And then I picked up the cheesecake and I ran out the door and I cried every day for 18 months. But what I didn't realise was I had had such a huge shock. So um, when, it, when you're in shock, you don't make great choices, right? And at the time, I had a business with 35 staff and my payroll was 30 grand every two weeks. And I felt so responsible to the girls on my team to make sure that I could pay them. And then that he left to figure out who he was. But at that point, my business was failing. So here's my first decision that I made that was really bad is, hey, how about I just house sit for a few weeks till I sort the business out and we'll be good. And at the time, I had a one-year-old child, 35 staff and a, and a husband who's going through an identity issue. So I started the house sitting and, you know, six to eight weeks passed. And isn't it interesting, three years passed. And at that stage, my son was four years old and we had done 40 house sits. Like when you're moving every seven days wow, to six yeah. weeks, oh my God, you can't imagine the stress. Like I was just a little mouse on a little wheel, just going round and round and round going, how do I fix this? I don't know how to fix it. Just praying to God, how do I fix it? I was so stressed out. It was a bit like Will Smith's Pursuit of Happiness. I used to wake up at 3 a.m., wake my son up. He never had a full night's sleep go and clean a restaurant, then go to work, work all day, then see clients, then go to bed, then start again. And because you're just on this wheel, there's no time to think differently. What I didn't realise is I had a poverty victim scarcity mindset. So when my mum called and said she was very ill, I'm one of eight kids, I thought if I don't figure this out and my mum dies because I can't figure out in my situation and at that stage I was living in a tent on food bank handouts because I got sick and sick and tired of asking for house hits, I thought I'll never forgive myself and isn't it interesting being having something bigger than my issue like it was my mum, it was something in front of me, my mum was, you know, in dire straits. My God, how fast did I solve it? Like within three to four days I'd called all my friends Mm -hmm. asked them for money, asked them for points, and I'd gotten back to Australia and that was where I'd started the turning point because now I actually, we were living in housing commission because she was in a bad situation, but I actually had a roof over my head and that was the turning point. But isn't it interesting, I couldn't make that decision in the previous three years because I was in shock going round and round and round. You're looking at the same thing the same way, round and round. Um, and then I just started to rebuild my life like once my mum got better then I, was, I had to really look at my situation. I had hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt. We're living in a one-bedroom apartment. I couldn't feed my son. I couldn't clothe him, couldn't buy him a T-shirt, take him on a holiday, and I just did, I wanted him to have a life. So this sort of kick-started like an incredible drive in me to provide for my family so that we would never be poor again. So it was little tiny baby steps, right, that got me here. But my God, my, my drive to get out of that situation was huge. So you're making a choice. Are you going to stay where you're at and suffer or are you going to find the little tiny, tiny little light that possibly could lead you somewhere? Well, that's what I did. And that's what I think people need to do today. Where is the light in the situation? Just stop, get off the treadmill, take a deep breath and how else can you see it? When you counsel people, or you know, whether they be managers, business leaders, what, whatever, um, you know, how and and they don't either don't have that drive innately, or you know, they haven't found it yet. It's like, how do you keep them from spiraling downward? 
Well, see, a lot of them come to me with these big problems. They go, oh, my God, the business is failing. We can't make money. You know, the bank's taking back the business and the house and stuff. And I just look at them and go, well, that's not a problem. And they go, what do you mean? I'm going, all you have to do is find a solution. But you have to be able to receive the solution. Like if you want to stay in the suffering, then you can stay right there or you can choose a different path. So you really have to flip a switch in their mindset because if they've got poverty victim scarcity mindset, you have to help them transform their identity into an identity identity of abundance, wealth, profitability, so that they can be more creative and resolve solutions, find solutions. So it's really, it's really working on their self-limiting beliefs because if you don't remove those blocks, it doesn't matter what your goals are, you'll never get there because those blocks restrict your identity. And that's really where my expertise kicks in is, you know, I'm like a detective. I go in and I unlock these beliefs so that they can actually fly freely. And most of the time, those beliefs reside in the subconscious. They're not even aware that they have them. Mm-hmm. You know, so I can give you a really quick example on that. Sure. I had a girl who was a landscape architect and she came from a very wealthy family. When the GFC hit, they lost everything. So now that, you know, mum and dad's working at Kmart and in retail. But what happened was when they lost everything, her dad took a shotgun mm. and he was going to take his life. And he came, he decided last minute, I'm not going to leave my family. So she had decided subconsciously. So she had no awareness of this belief that if you make money and you lose it, someone's going to die, like someone's going to take a shotgun. And so she had decided subconsciously with absolutely zero conscious awareness, if I make money and I lose it, someone's going to die. So I could not get her to make money in her business. I could not get her Mm. to bring on one client. But when we, when we went into that story and we unlocked a key, there was a part of the story that she hadn't told me, which was, if I asked her what would happen if you, if you, you know, tell me about the story with your family. She said it was like they were standing on the edge of a cliff. And I said, well, then what would happen? And she said, well, they would fall to, to their death. And I said, or, or they could find a set of wings and fly away. And even though that sounds so obscure, find a set of wings, she could visualise it in her mind that there was another option. They could find a set of wings and fly away. And the next week she had seven clients after having no clients for seven months and three years later, her business is turning over half a million. Like she used to tell me, I people won't be able to afford a four hundred dollar garden design. And in three years' time, she was selling garden designs for thirty five thousand. It's a subconscious self limiting belief that we had to unlock. And what happens there is that the mind gets on auto repeat. So it's like it never, you know, what you did there is you you got her to think differently. Or when you moved, it's like you know you had a change of venue then that forced you to think different and got you out of that auto repeat cycle. Well, you know, those, you grow up with these things, you know, money doesn't grow on trees, rich people aren't nice, um, you know, you have to work hard for your money. So you grow up with like a fabric of beliefs built in because you've heard it from your mum and dad, your teachers, your community, and you just take them on as your beliefs, but maybe they're not true. And you need to look at it again and see why can't you work easy for your money? Why can't money just land in your lap? Why can't rich people be nice? Or what, you know, you need to transform those beliefs. And when you do, because your physiology changes, your chemistry changes, what happens is your life shows up differently and you can now see those opportunities that you couldn't see before. And the best example of that, the easiest example, is if you're afraid of a dog, if you got bitten by a dog, Every dog that you see, will be, you'll be a, a bit afraid, but that dog will growl at you because that dog can feel your fear. So your life shows up in the same way. 
Mm. Fascinating. So ask yourself a lot of questions is to figure out what your subconscious may or may not be saying to you because I I, I was talking to Lee about this pandemic and my husband. And so in, in speaking to the subconscious and maybe pivoting slightly to what leaders are feeling or how we're all feeling, it's funny. I said to him, I, I'm going crazy. Like, I, I don't know why this bothers me so much. I have a nice home and, you know, there's food in the fridge. There's nothing to be troubled about whatsoever, but it bugs me. And he said, it's because you don't want to be told that you can't go anywhere. You want yeah. to be able to choose not to go anywhere. And that's what's yeah. bothering you. And that, that's, that's really true, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of. But it's got to be more than that. But I don't know. I'm just sharing a little bit about how I'm well, feeling. But what are other leaders feeling at this time? There's two things that I always ask my clients in any situation because they'll say, oh, my God, I can't, you know, I can't get this bank loan or I can't get this deal across the line. And when we break it down, I always ask them two questions. And the two questions are, is it real? The situation that you're in, is it real? Is it actually true that that's not happening? And then I ask them, is it true? Is it real and is it true? And they always come back with, well, no, it's not real and no, it's not true because <laughs> the second that you realise that you're more resourceful than that, all it requires is creativity of thought, then bang, you've solved your problem. Like how is it possible that the most number of millionaires came out of the Great Depression? Because they, they had to find opportunities. They're not going to live like that. We have that same opportunity right now, more opportunities in the next 18 months than probably in the last like 10, 15 years because of the situation we're in. Mm. There'll be so many doors that open, but you need to be able to see them and most people are blind. Yeah, and you get, you got to be willing then to step out of your comfort zone and to be able then to adapt to the situation because that's where so many people right now are frozen. You know, well, they're just... What's that? That's, that's the key, Lee. They're frozen. They, they won't get out of their comfy slippers. They're mm-hmm. stuck. You know, and one of my favorite questions is, is it a fact or a feeling? Yeah, exactly. It's mm. Correct. Great question. So, and Lee has always said when this whole thing hit, I remember Lee, you said, oh, it's go time. Like stick the accelerator and push that oh, yeah. to the floor. It's go time. And I was like, what? Everybody, wait a minute. Let's talk about this. Um, and you know what I love to do? You know what I love to do? I love to give myself challenges because I want to see what I'm made of. What am I capable mm-hmm. of? Like, I don't want to be on my deathbed looking back going, I oh, could have, should have, would have. So mm-hmm. one day I decide, like, how fast could I make a house deposit happen? Like, you know, why not for kicks? Go to the bank, find out if I can, you know, carry the mortgage and all that. And they said, sure. And then they said, you need your house deposit on this date. And you know what I thought? I'm not even going to try and get it until the date that it's due because what could I do if I really put my mind to it? So I woke up that morning at 8 a.m. and I thought, oh, well, I'll wait till 11. The money needs to be back in the bank at four. And I didn't have a clue. There was no money, whatever. And I just came up with 10 ways to make the money happen and I had it in five minutes. I went, oh, that was a bit easy. So <laughs> how do we get business leaders in to be unstuck or unfrozen because they're fearful of civil unrest, of you know, the pandemic, you know, swine flu after that, and it's like economic issues and everything like that? How do, how do we get them to, uh, you know, to get moving again? You, you can't be coming from a place of fear, like what you need to be coming from a place of opportunity. So what we need to tap into is those brain waves, those subconscious brain waves that work at the speed of light. Like your subconscious mind processes 20 million pieces of information a second, but your conscious mind processes 40. So I know where I want to hang out. 
the way that you access that is meditation, is to be able to see in the periphery of your vision, not what's directly in front of you. So when you're looking at the things directly in front of you, that's more a conscious mindset process. Like I see my computer right now, blah, blah, blah. What I want to see is the things that are more subtle in in the periphery of my life because when they show up like tiny little things you go well what's that well I don't, that might just be a distraction you need to look at it and and entertain the idea what could I do with this and then fit it into your business or your life to make it work so for example like I've been a purist coach for 12 years and I had two little opportunities that showed up 18 months ago and at the time I thought they were a bit annoying I'm just like well that would just be Oh, I'm not really interested. And then I thought, well, let's just have a little closer look at this. And I, I dedicated a little bit of time to these opportunities and kept going with my coaching. And they ended up being hugely lucrative opportunities for me that have now combined into my whole coaching business. If I hadn't taken the time to look at something that seemed like a distraction, if I hadn't even noticed it, it was my subconscious mind that noticed it that said, hey, look at this. I'm like, well, how does that work? And that's the thing is you have to entertain ideas that you don't normally entertain. You need to see it through a different lens. You need to see it in a different light. So how do you do that? Meditation is going to increase your awareness. It'll change the way your brain works. It's interesting. My doctor just ordered me to meditate 15 minutes a day. So and I'm, I'm with your doctor. I'm with your doctor. I'd go, I'd go <laughs> half an hour. Oh, well, maybe I should try that. I don't know if I can sit still that long. We'll have to see how that goes. You know what? If you start with five minutes a day and each day add another five minutes before yeah. you know it. Like, you know, I do meditation every day and, and I mean, I don't even need that much sleep. Like I'm always energetic, but what it does is it allows me to see so much more in my world and it changes your brainwave activity. So you're tapping into something that's much calmer, that, that has the capacity to actually bring your world to you. Yeah, I was reading some of your material and you, you said that the number one mistake that managers make is that they believe that the bottom line is the goal line for their company and that you believe that uh, employees need to feel valued and, and feel their contributions count. And my question to that is like, well, one, you know, the bottom line is measurable. It's a number. It's like, how do you go about measuring uh, the employees feeling valued and, and, and that their contributions really matter? Well, the thing is, if you, because you're only as good as the workforce that you have. And so if your focus is purely and solely on the bottom line, just the numbers, and you miss the fact that you have an incredible team, and I'm talking way more than diversity and inclusion, I'm talking tapping into that EQ, that tapping into their emotional capacity. If you actually keep your team fulfilled and you start to see their strengths and harness their strengths, you will 10x, 100x your business because when someone mm -hmm. feels valued and they're working on point with their strength, oh, my God, your business is going to go through the roof. Like the numbers, you'll be like, wow, like we just doubled, quadrupled, 10x our business. See, sometimes you've got people in your team, they don't realise their strengths because you can't see the label of the jar when you're inside it. You need to realise the asset that you have is in your HR. And then, of course, it's in your business, like in terms of technology or niche marketing and leverage and stuff like that. But your people will be your greatest asset first, your people. So instead, so we're still measuring, you know, the, the bottom line. But, yes. it's, but instead of focusing on the results, we're, we're focusing on the behaviour, the temperament, the motivation, the values then that actually lead to the results. 
Lee, you are catching on quick. That's exactly what I would do. So, so when I go into a team, I'll interview every person in the team and I'll figure out where their strengths lie and then I'll start to move them in the business to harness their strengths and then catapult results. And, and you know, the other thing is too, when they feel valued and heard and you're harnessing their, their strengths, how good do they feel when they come to work? Because they feel like a rock star. Right. Everyone loves to be heard. And if you'd like to hear more from Rhiannon, consciouscoaching.coach (laughs) (laughs) is the website and rhiannonreads.com. And then your Twitter is inspirationalli. That's it. Yep. And uh, LinkedIn. What a a pleasure and uh, lots lots of great tips. Um, It was really, really fun to get up this morning and you're a bright light and a great way to start the day recording time. I have just absolutely enjoyed this. It's gone way too fast, Audrey yeah. and Lee. Yeah. And thanks it. for spending your evening with us. <laughs> yeah. You're so welcome. Yeah. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.